Intersection is brought to you by Social Health Institute, exploring new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategies. Learn more at socialhealthinstitute.com. Even though you're away from being on the field and being away from the sports, you are always still a part of it. You are always one of them, one of us. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. So uh, we're sitting here. We're having wings like two old college buddies would do. I've got uh, lemon pepper uh, wings. He's got some teriyaki. We got blue cheese. We got a couple beers. Absolutely. We're going to have a conversation. Um, I want you to introduce yourself. My name is and tell us who, who you are and what did you once do? All right. Well... My name is Michael Bays, and uh, I work as an IT recruiter, but that's not why you're interviewing me. Um, I used to be the Clemson Tiger mascot back from 1994 through 96 football, and I got to do 97 basketball as well. So, yeah, I did it for three years. Very so, cool. Yeah. How many push-ups can you do at one time? I actually cannot remember doing a push-up in years. I wonder, what's it like to go down in the record books as the all-time push-up record holder? For this tiger, it's more than a record to beholden. Michael Bays is one determined tiger, literally. He was a tiger, the actual Clemson University mascot, during his years as an undergraduate student at Clemson University. He put on the uniform for three whole years and was the central focus for every Clemson football game during his time as a Tiger. Being the Tiger at Clemson is more than just doing push-ups after every touchdown scored. It's more than being the face of a large Division I university. It's more than just putting on the outfit. It is living the determined spirit for everyone that loves an institution located in Clemson, South Carolina. It is truly about being a Clemson Tiger. How's your wings? The wings are outstanding. I don't know where you got them from when you brought them, but they are wonderful. By the way, this is my favorite spot. This is Sue's Wings right off the interstate in I-85. It's good stuff. Good stuff. So how did you become the tiger? That's an interesting story. So And I want to eat while you talk. Absolutely. So I'm I'm one of those Yankee tigers. I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And I was introduced to Clemson through my sister, Allison. Okay. So when my sister went to school, she was big into music, and she played the marching band, Hmm. all right? By the time I came around to coming into Clemson, um, my sister was nice enough to introduce me and my roommate at the time to the band director and got us a job moving equipment for Tiger Band. Huh. That was in 93. Well, how did you get to Clemson? I mean, is it because your sister? It it truly was. Um, My my parents were awesome. They've always uh, supported both my sister and I growing up. And when my sister was in the marching band... At at Clemson? At Clemson. While in Pennsylvania, we used to um, make the trek, the uh, 660-mile drive from uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania to to Clemson. About an hour north of Philly. Okay. Um... The Christmas City, there's actually Nazareth is right down the road from it, believe it or not. Um, But anyways, um, yeah, my parents used to drive to uh, Clemson games to watch the band. That's what my dad said, but I think he was more of a football guy. But um, I used to get to go with them. So I I went to two or three games a year. 
um, drive out on a Thursday night, drive home on a Sunday. And um, so I got hooked and that's where I wanted to go to school. But um, yeah, I started moving equipment for the band and, and I met Chase Nichols, who was the uh, mascot before me. How did you meet? Is it a he or a she? It's a he. So Chase, Chase was the tiger mascot. We used to travel together. The marching band, the cheerleaders, mm. the mascot. Oh, I gotcha. So that's how it was. So connected. yeah, I got to meet him and, a, and our mic man, Dow Welch, and um, they just saw how spirited I was at the games, just hamming it up. And and um, Dow pulled me aside, and Chase did as well. And they're like, "Hey, you ever think of doing this?" And I was like, "Hey, let's give it a whirl. Sounds like fun." So yeah. it's a big deal to be the tiger at Clemson. It's huge, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, still at age 44. I'm still introduced to people as the tiger. You know, it's something that that sticks with you. It's something that's a part of you. Um, it's it's real special. You know, it, it really is. Um, as someone who was passionate about sports and didn't really have the ability to play at that level, um, it's it's. Being the Tiger has put me in a lot of positions that a lot of a lot of true sports fans would just be blown away with. I've gotten to experience some of the most amazing things through the vehicle of being the Tiger. Tell me some of the things that you have like oh have stuck God. with you. Some of the things that have stuck, or some of the things I've done, or stuck mm -hmm. with. Um, you know, um, a lot of friends of ours, as we're, we're well aware, went to play in the NFL and mm -hmm. such, and um, we, we stay in contact with them. Um, heck, national championship game, I was found my way to the ESPN party. Um, <laughs> you know, we were partying with all the, all the guys from ESPN just by knowing someone who knew someone. You know, um, meeting people like John Saketa would, uh, would just connect you up to wherever and whatever you wanted to do from a sports standpoint. Um, you know, I've got to meet, uh, I used to be on the sidelines at Carolina Panther games. Mm -hmm. I was buddies with Tommy Donovan, who was the first Panther mascot. Wow. Had a little side job working with him. So I've sat in press conferences with Brett Favre and John Elway. I mean, it's, so I always took advantage whenever I was at those, at those situations to be able to do things that were unique. And um, so it opened my doors, it opened the door up for me to do a lot of these amazing things, you know, to be involved and, you know, just, and I still stay involved with it to this day. Right. You know, I still judge the mascot trust. I know all the guys and girls who've been the mascots after me and, and um, you know, we, uh, I just try to um, just have a great, a great connection. They all know me. I know them. I just, I uh, just try to give back to them and, and. You know, still, still kind of remain a part of it. You know, right. as kind of a paternal figure in our fraternity, I guess you could say. Right? <laughs> I know that's bad, isn't it's it? It's awesome. <laughs> so tell me, um, describe what it's like to be a tiger on game day. You're the busiest guy as in in the world. I mean, um, I never got to experience the Friday night before game day or mm -hmm. waking up with the hangover, just for the mere fact that you had to put on a you know, furry suit in the heat and, and, and sweat it all out, as your mom might be able to share a few stories about me working the sidelines. Um, but on game day, you're, you're up bright and early, and you're doing a lot of appearances. You're, you're, you're traveling with the cheerleaders. You go up to the president's box. We used to, we used to do the parade with, um, with the band coming down from the field. There are certain areas that you have to reach. Um, so you're traveling around quite a bit prior to the game. Um, now, when I did it during the game, there was a mic man stand, 
and you were able to put your things underneath the mic man stand. <laughs> right so you had a lot of chances to take breaks the mm -hmm. kids now don't have that so mm. they actually have multiple people playing the tiger now really um, during games yeah so um so yeah you'd set your things up come in from the parade i used to sneak in a few of my buddies give one guy to carry a bag throw my arms around another guy can't do that today <laughs> um but yeah it, it was um the um you almost felt like you were a player out there um, from from the moment the cannon blows and you're running down the hill, touching the rock, looking around, seeing 80,000 people raising your hands. And you, you just it's I still to this day, when I hear the band hit the first note to sock it to him before Tiger Rag plays goosebumps goosebumps still to this day because I remember what it was like to run down the hill and I remember that feeling and seeing the band turn around and and march towards you and all eyes are on you you know um yeah they're on the football team I'm leading the way though and I made sure I was the first one down the hill <laughs> but um you know it, it's it was never fell by the way Bobby um by the way I did fall on national tv yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another day. Absolutely. But um, just the most amazing feeling. Um, after a game, pure exhaustion. Um, just absolute exhaustion. You're a one beer drunk after that. Um, you know, and uh, you're, you got to stay hydrated throughout the whole day. You can't go out the night before. Um, used to drink Gator Loads, not Gatorades That's beforehand. Right. And I remember that. Used to have uh, guys like Reno Wilson take mm -hmm. care of me prior to games and and give me everything I needed. And, and your mom actually took care of me. That's our that's our funny story, isn't that it? That is a great story. My mom, for many people that don't realize this, and this is a podcast for another time, when I was at Clemson, I came to work in the video services department, which you were almost like a student athlete as well because you – worked with the football team and all the sports and you traveled with them and did um, not just like what Mike's talking about, but you were a part of this kind of inner inner circle fraternity of athletics. So anyway, because of my scholarship, mom, after I graduated, mom wanted to uh, give back. So she started donating her time as a nurse mm -hmm. to the players. And so to, to this day, you can see my little five foot two mom who packs a powerful punch mm -hmm. on the sidelines, running around, giving people, um, IVs and taking care of them, but uh, I'll let you tell the story of my mom helping you out one time. My gosh, I, I must have been, I think it was a Western Carolina game, um, opening game for Clemson, and you know, we have our first Friday parade the day before, it was hot out there, and I remember cramping up after the first Friday parade, maybe I had a late night Thursday, I don't know, could have been partying at TDs or something, my old drinking hole there, but anyways, um, I recall it was a long day the day before, um, and I cramped up, and I went to do the game, and I realized back then, Bobby, we had a um, we had a number one Tiger and a number two Tiger. Mm. Our number two Tiger at that time was a cheerleader. Mm. And when you get to be the number one Tiger back then, you weren't doing a football game if you were number two. I wasn't going to pass it on no, to anyone. No, no. I earned that. So now, they, like I said, they have uh, multiple people doing it. Um, so during that game... Um, by halftime, we were scoring a lot of points. I think we scored 56 that day or 52. It was quite a lot uh, then, which meant a lot of push-ups to mm -hmm. do, of course. Um, and my body started cramping up. I was losing it. I think I lost about 10 pounds um, mm. from, from that morning to, uh, to later on. And here comes your mom, little Linda Ratu, coming over to, to, to help me out. And 
She pulls me under the locker room at halftime. I remember sitting outside the team's locker room and there she does. She gives me a big old bag of fluid because I didn't want to get out of the suit. I wanted to keep going, mm-hmm. you know? Um, back when we were young, we didn't pass it on no. to someone else. So I kept going. And um, so uh, John Saquette is still to this day would pick on me, call me Ivy and all this stuff. <laughs> I was the first IV tiger talking about how soft I was. But yeah, your mom saved me that day. Your mom gave me some fluids and um, yeah, uh, did, didn't mind the needle at all, man. Stick it in the arm and let it go. So, How does one become the tiger? I mean, I, I heard now and probably then there were tryouts. Talk about that. Yeah, we still do. Uh, we still do tryouts. Um, you know, there's always kind of been this this unwritten thing that, you know, you try to take someone under you and, yep. and kind of show them the ropes. Kind of like Dow and Chase did uh, with me. What does that mean? Like, how do you show someone the ropes of being the tiger? There's always people that are interested that kind of find out that are interested, involved in it. I remember when I did it, um, there were, I, I remember some friends of mine, I'd let them do an appearance. I'd let them get in the suit, try an appearance out, or you get to meet people that had big mm-hmm. personalities. And you're like, yeah, you'd be good at this. So you almost recruited mm-hmm. in a way. Um, yep. you, you look for a five star, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, but um, they do a tryout. They announce it to the student body, and um, they bring former mascots back mm-hmm. to 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 judge. And there's different categories. They they of course want to interview um, the person to make sure right. they know what it's about to why mm-hmm. you're doing it. We always take a look at their grade point average. Mm-hmm. Take a look at you know if they can handle the load because there's now there's so many more appearances than there mm-hmm. ever was. Um, have them do a skit, some kind of funny skit, a couple mm-hmm. minutes long. See, see what they can come up with for creativity. See how they walk in the suit, how they look in it. Um, there's times where we'd have a baseball game. We'd watch them, how they interact with crowds. And, you know, um, I actually brought my kids to a tryout once and I just told them, hey, go attack the tiger. I just want to see how he acts to it. They'd beat him up, kick, his, kick him in the leg, pull his tail, bring him back. Come on, boys, come on back. I said, there. So just put them through a different situations. And then, of course, we pick our pick our guys that are going to do it. So yeah, still do tryouts with it. Is the Tiger a different personality than Mike Bay's? I mean, is there a true personality of the Tiger when you put the the actual mask, you zip it up and you put the head on, what happens? Describe that. The superpower raised through. <laughs> do you have a magic beer well, inside? The, like, first, like, the first you thing you do is you smell really bad. Okay? <laughs> you know... It's interesting. I'll kind of give you an example. And I and I made this comment the other day. I was at a Halloween party. And I love Halloween parties because that's the only time when people truly cut loose. Because you're mm-hmm. dressed as someone else, mm-hmm. however you're really being yourself. Right, right. So it takes sometimes for someone to dress as someone else to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. And at a Halloween party, you're more apt to go in up talking to people mm-hmm. because they're dressed as someone else. It makes mm-hmm. it easier, doesn't right. it? As right. opposed to just being in day-to-day life. So when people try to act as someone else, they're really being themselves. Right. So, yeah, when I was a tiger, I put a lot of who I was in there. And I think a lot of people that do it today um, try to put their personalities and they do everyone's different there's different you know mm-hmm. there's different characteristics that the kids have now yeah you know there's different things that people did prior to me as well mm-hmm. but we all had little things our little talents and our little personalities that we brought into the uh, into the mascots thing so yeah i mean it, it was 
what you saw when I did it was a big part of who I was. Mm -hmm. I was different than Chase. You know, Wes Scruggs, who did it after me, was different than me. We just had our own style. What was, okay, so describe what's different. Like, the average person just will see the tiger and they expect something. They expect someone to be happy. They expect yeah. someone to be playing with the tail. They expect someone to interact with the crowd. They expect them to do push-ups. They expect yeah. them. There's certain things that we expect. Well, them. there's yeah, there's there's certain there's certain traditions um, that you do. The things that you had mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the push-ups, of course, are, are a huge piece of it. Being friendly with the kids, you mm-hmm. know, um, having that interaction. We try to maintain a certain characteristic of the way the mascot walks and right. things of that nature. Um, but there's also little talents that people have. Darius Jones, who was my backup, Darius was my uh, roommate and used to do, he got to do women's basketball games, mm-hmm. a whole lot of them for me. Well, Darius, he played the marching band. He played the drums and he's he's a um, he's now a master black belt in uh, Kung wow. Fu. So Darius can slam dunk a basketball. He can do it in a suit. Darius can get on the drums and play the drums in the band. Now, when I was a Tiger, I couldn't do that. Right. So you're bringing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... I always liked the physical comedy. I always liked, I was, I liked the improv side of it, mm-hmm. finding something and being able to quickly get into something to make that action humorous. Right. Um, I always had the idea that I was a human cartoon. <laughs> and when you're watching a cartoon, a cartoon doesn't stand still. Mm-hmm. So I always, when I was in the suit, there was always some something type moving. of movement going right. on constantly. So I always kept that in the back of my mind. Um, I was a pretty good dancer until <laughs> until um, until Jordan came along, the latest kid here who now owns a dance school, National Championship Tiger, who uh, who can dance circles around me. He's now known as the Dancing Tiger. I <laughs> That's guess it awesome. used to be me. Um, but um, but you know we had different things. Mm-hmm. You know that that you brought to it. Right. You know. Um, so that's kind of kind of an example with it. You know, some guys. Did more costumes with them. Some did better signs. Some dance. Some you know. Some people like Wes Scruggs got all the women. You know. <laughs> you know, you know we copy him on his broadcast. So. so, one of the things I think is interesting about the Tiger is that we the notoriety behind it obviously is going to be close to the circles of people that love Clemson. Yeah, we know what the Tiger is. We expect it. We. We walk up to it. We know what how to interact. I mean, it's just a part of our culture. And we also know within football games what they're going to do or a basketball game or a baseball game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you feel like over the years, especially since we, we're now, what, 15, 20 years removed from the institution? <coughs> kind of hard to say that. <laughs> but, you know. We are. The, yeah, I know. But the Tigers starting to take on some national notoriety. Oh, the better the team gets, the more. Well, you know, I think I think a lot of that deals with um, the world's much smaller now. You know, uh, social media. Right. Um, you know, I was just showing um, my girlfriend the other day. I showed her a video of Jordan being the mascot on the Jimmy Fallon show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, the Tiger is on the Jimmy Fallon show. Well, why? Because the ACC championship is played in New York City. Right. So when you're taking all the mascots to New York City to mm-hmm. promote the ACC championship for the whole tournament, when they used to just take us for games to Greensboro, you're going to get more exposure. Right. Um, you know, you see all these commercials now. I mean, it's it's a part of it. And with Clemson now being where they are with the national notoriety, mm-hmm. you know, winning the national championship, there's more opportunities for them to be at these, you know, at these events and these shows and it's it it 
It's amazing. I mean, I remember I got to do an ESPN commercial and I was stoked. I still kept the stub, the, the pay stub from ESPN. That is I'm like, awesome. I, I did it. I worked for ESPN. I got to say, <laughs> you know, that was huge. Now these guys are like, oh, yeah, it took me a private jet and flew up to New York to do this filming of a commercial. I'm like, gosh, you guys have it so good. You know? <laughs> I was just happy to go to an IPTA meeting in Aiken and ride in the plane with Rick Barnes, you know? I mean, that was, I was thrilled about that, you know? But um, That's awesome. Yeah. Now a quick break to ask you for your help. Did you know Intersection Podcast is part of a network of shows and we're looking for your feedback? We would appreciate your help if you could take a few minutes to fill out a short listener survey. Go to survey.intersectionpodcast.com. That is survey.intersectionpodcast.com. We hope you'll share your experience. Hi there, this is Bobby again. We need your help. If you like Intersection, we'd really appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, please take a moment to leave a review. This is important because it helps others find our show. Thank you so much for your help. So we were talking about stats a little bit. Yeah. So apparently... You still hold the record for the push-ups. How about that, huh? So let's talk about what that. What is the push-ups? Okay. What does that mean for people that have never been introduced to Clemson football? Which I think is kind of crazy that you have never been introduced to Clemson football. But <laughs> for the person that's in the middle of Texas somewhere, what is the push-ups all about? Okay, so from what I understand, Zach Mills in the late seventies started doing. Um, Push-ups for every time Clemson scored, the Tiger would get on a push-up board uh-huh. and do the number of points that were on the board, uh-huh. not the number of points scored. For example, as I chew my chicken wing. It's good chicken wings, too. Go to Susan Anderson, baby. Um, so the game starts, Clemson scores a touchdown, seven points. The Tiger will get on the board and do seven push-ups. Right. They score seven more. The Tiger won't just do seven, but they've now got 14 on the board. So the Tiger will now get on the board and do 14. 14. So as the game goes on, the push-ups accumulate, and you get one heck of a workout Mm -hmm. in your furry suit, in your 90-degree weather, as you're running around and jumping through. So by the time the game goes through, if you have a big high-scoring game, you may have 45 points on the board, and you've done 200-some-odd push-ups, and then, just for the heck of it, they bring the backup kicker in to kick three points. You're doing 48 now. You're not doing three, you're doing 48. Then <laughs> you're like, okay, the, the day's done. Oh, pick six. They scored another touchdown. Oh, like, oh. Now, so, um, you just hope that not every time that a score happens, that it's just by a place kicker that's kicking three. Yeah. Because that's the number of repetitions you have to go through. You still have to do all those ones leading up beforehand. Yep. So, um, so yeah, your push-ups accumulate as it goes through. And, of course, at Clemson, we keep records for everything. There's a tradition <laughs> for everything. So we've got records for first quarter push-ups, second quarter, third, fourth, season push-ups, career push-ups, um, push-ups in away games, push-ups. In, I mean, it's, you know how we are. Right. So, um, yeah. So do you know the number? Do you have to look it up? I actually did beforehand because you had mentioned I actually don't. So <laughs> so I'm fortunate enough, um, due to longevity of being the Tiger for three years without a backup um, that was allowed in the suit because I wouldn't let him, 
Um, I do have a career record, and I've done, I have completed 2,216 push-ups in my career. Wow. Yes, that's over three years, and and um, they don't have one kid doing it now, so it's a record that's going to stand for a bit, and I don't mind if it's broken. <laughs> if they had one kid doing it, like, during during the Dabo years here, the thing would be broken in a heartbeat, but now they split the games. There's the a games. few different people that do the mascot, and... You know, because you know, it's, it, they don't have a place for them to switch in and out of the suit. It's hot, and we're soft now, and we take care of you know those things. We don't have we don't have Linda or two giving everyone <laughs> on the sidelines, giving IVs to everyone. So not everybody gets to wear the suit. I mean, it's a big deal to get the suit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you think about, and the reason I'm leading to a question is, is I remember the first time as a graduate student, you know. I left in 97, yep. worked for a while, and then came back to grad school from 2001 to 2003. And I remember the first time that I saw President Barker oh, yeah. come out and do the push-ups, and no one knew it. Yeah. And then he would all of a sudden take the tiger head mm. off the um, on the push-up board, and the whole place would go nuts. Yep. Talk about that and what's it like being a tiger to see the standing president get on the board and do push-ups. Are you like, no, he can't be the tiger? Or is it more like, dude, that's badass? Talk, I mean, what do you wow. think? Wow. Okay. We're going to know the truth here, huh? Let's get the truth out. I love President Barker. Everybody did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was guy. a student's president. Absolutely. I was sitting in the stands with my buddy Wes Scruggs, who was another mascot, <clears throat> and President Barker did that, did the push-ups, took off the head, crowd went nuts, and Wes and I just looked at each other and shook our heads. Because, um, you know, the rule, the number one rule in Fight Club, <laughs> number one rule in mascot is you don't, you don't, you have to stay in character, don't take your head off, because imagine being in Disney. Mm-hmm. And spend the money to take mm-hmm. your kids there. Mickey Mouse comes up to you with a raspy voice, like a smoker's cough, and he takes off his head. You just ruined it, didn't you? Mickey's done forever. Mickey's done. So, um, and by no fault at all was with President Barker. You know, it wasn't it wasn't on him. Right. But it was something that you know, it just didn't it just wasn't right. That's the way that the mascots felt. Okay, so to take this story a little bit further. Um, again, I'm kind of the... Are you a purist? I'm the godfather of the mascots, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got the list of everyone's emails. I, I'm, I'm kind of a go-to person, all right? Like, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. toot my own horn, but I just, I'm very vocal and I will right. bring these people together. So, I wrote a letter to President Barker, a very nice letter, and... Cease and assist letter. Um, <laughs> you wrote a cease and assist letter to the president. In a nice way. It was, <laughs> it was a very nicely written letter. Um, that also from from the mascots. And we asked him, you know, just to think about what he's doing and that, you know, although we understand the crowd loves it and it's and it is, it's great, it's awesome, it's absolutely awesome. But as a mascot, and we consider him one of us because right. he, he was a mascot. Yes. He got to be in the suit. But we asked him just in the future, think about it. We'd like for you not to. And I actually had it signed by about 25 of the mascots. <laughs> I wrote. 
he, he wrote me the best letter back. Um, I had a chance to go up to the president's box for a game and meet him and chat with him. And he was so good about it. Um, he was very pleased with my writing skills. He said I probably had a good education at Clemson. So, um, but no, he he never he didn't he didn't think about it like that at all. And it wasn't anything that was rude. It wasn't anything that mm-hmm. was rude that 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 we were saying. It was just one of those things of, you know, it, it just kind of is not right. It's just not our not our thing. It's just you know to to be able to do it. If we would have done that in the suit, we'd have been fired. Um, you know, you just, you just, there's a certain, I don't know, it sounds, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but there's a certain respect you have for, for the mascot, the, um, you know, the, um, the face of the university, the, the quiet face of the university, because <laughs> he can't talk. So, you know, we gave him some other ideas to do and, you know, and it just, it, it went well. He didn't, he didn't do it again, you know? So, you know, what's funny is you talk about the tiger doesn't talk. Yeah. Um, not to so everyone. to some people he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked on. Um, you know, I grew up with the president's son. Okay. Jacob. Yep. Yep. And so Jacob and I went to grad school together. Okay. And so then Jacob and I, after grad school, worked on a project about Mr. Clemson. Yes. And so everybody knows that Ron Gant, uh, Ron Grant. I'm sorry. In Department of Engineering, College of Engineering, who still works there, is about to retire. Um, he looks just like Thomas Crane Clemson in the pictures. Oh, wow. He has the beard, everything. So, anyway, we cast him to do a series of stories, silent films, about what, if Mr. Clemson was walking across campus, what would happen with students. So, we did a bunch of them. And so, we spent years doing them. And we finally did so many years of them that we we're like, we got to think of new things to do. Like, we had him in the rowing boat with the rowers, you know, like, you know, just shoot, stuff like that. We had mm-hmm. him just tr- people trying to buy tickets from him, you know, just crazy things. Yeah. And we had this long conversation like, should Mr. Clemson talk? And we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we finally realized that it's kind of like Mr. Bibb, you know, the Michelin man. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bibb doesn't talk. And so, yeah. to your point, what is it like not being able to talk, <clears throat> but still have such a big personality? I'm a shy person. I don't talk much. <laughs> like, this, this person that wants to tell stories and you can't talk. You that's, have to do everything through that's, animation. That's what's so much fun. That is, that is the fun of it. That's the fun of it, okay? That's the thing. Being able to... Have some sort of conversation with someone in a costume where you can't speak, being able to communicate with someone. I'll tell you a pretty interesting story that you know, talk about not, not being able to talk. When I when I realized my first appearance that I first official appearance that I ever did as the mascot is I'm not allowed to talk, you know, and this was the rule. John Saketa told me I had to do a Special Olympics appearance. It was like the weekend after I became the mascot. And um it really hit me. So I go out there by myself. Mascot shall always take a spotter with him. Okay, someone who can keep kids from doing crazy away. stuff. Because the mascot doesn't want to be the one. Get away from me. Stop right. doing that. You can't do that. And plus you can't see. It's kind of hard to see probably. Yeah, your vision's a little tough. But I totally recall to this day, 
I, I was talking to one of the athletes in Special Olympics, not talking, of course, being the mascot. He was there with his dad. And he kept asking me questions. And as a tiger, I couldn't talk to him. And this athlete from Special Olympics was getting a little frustrated. And he says, Dad, how come he won't talk to me? How come he won't talk to me? And his dad looked at me, looked at him, and he says, son, he goes, you know, you have a handicap? He's like, yeah. He goes, Tiger has a handicap too. Tiger's not, not able to talk. Everyone has a handicap. And this happens to be the Tigers. Wow. You talk about just it hitting you right there and then, my first ever appearance. I was like, dang. Listen to what this guy's saying. Everyone has a handicap. So everyone's got something that that they need to overcome. So it's, I know it didn't quite answer your question, but it brought that story back. Um, but the fun of it was being able to reach someone and communicate with someone without talking. Being able to, you know, put on your show. It's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, man. I mean, Tom and Jerry didn't talk, but you can see how they interacted with each other. You can, well, I didn't, wasn't beating on people and <laughs> blowing bombs and all, but, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's a neat talent that you kind of pick up on. You're almost like a professional mime in a sense, um, because I remember I was able to communicate with people on a lot of things and it makes it funny. I mean, I, I wish I can, you can see on the podcast, but you know, I'd be like, I need <laughs> you know, I, 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 and I always found myself when I was interacting in the suit, I was always lipping, lip reading to myself in the mm -hmm. costume. When I try to communicate with someone, I would say it to myself and then your body starts to right. go with it and you do it a whole lot bigger to where you, in a sense, could understand, you know, hey, what time, you know, what are you pointing your clock for? And then I'd get frustrated and then I'd bring something else out like a prop to try to show someone what I'm trying to tell them. And that's the funny skit then. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So... It's it's not hard. Even to this day when I'm in the stands and I'm doing the Clemson cheer, I sometimes don't yell C-L-E-M-S-O-N because I'm so used to when I did the mascot suit, you didn't yell. You just lipped it. Right. So it's kind of weird, you know, but yeah. What's the most memorable sporting event? Clemson football game, basketball game? Because you only did those two, right? Football and basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most memorable game that you were the Tiger? Oh, my God. That you'll always walk away with? <clears throat> Too many. Um, from a from a sports standpoint, um, from like a team success standpoint, um, I love that basketball team uh, when Barnes was there. Uh, and we got to go to the Sweet 16, and we got to experience the excitement um, we were on top of the world then. We were ranked number two in the nation at that point, and being a part of that was was incredible. Um, Who was on that team? Let's let's go back oh in memory. That gosh. was a great team. That was a great team. Was that, that Big O? Oh, Harold Jamison, my good buddy E. Care Turbe, who I see. From I time love E. Care. Yep, Terrell McIntyre, uh, Merle Code, Boogie, Boogie McIntyre, Greg Buckner, of course. Love Buckner. Bill Harder. Um, who else can we go? Um, who else? Was Bruce Martin on that team? No, Bruce was prior to that. My man, the walk-on, Brian Chester. Yes, yep, Chester. Yep, yep. Andre Jacunas. Yes. Remember him? Right? Yep. Right? Yep. God, that was a great team. Wasn't Vince Witt on that team yes. as well? Right? Is that the year that we broke out and beat Kentucky at the very beginning? We beat Kentucky. We beat Kentucky. Yes, sir, we did. Um, and we went on that magic run. Went on a great run. Yep. 
Yeah, we got to go to that K- Kentucky, and that was a great game. That was a funny story, man. Okay, so that that was a cool game. We um we traveled the mascots out. Myself and Ryan Teton, who was a Tiger Cub, um, we were able to fly with the team to that game. Um, this was probably the coolest game I did. Yeah, I that 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 was an experience. So. We arrive out there in Kentucky. We're traveling with with the players and such, and Barnes and so Ryan Teton and I. We we ended, we stayed in a separate hotel. I forget where it was, but um, we're packing our stuff up and we're sitting in the lobby at at the hotel and uh, we're just sitting there chilling out. And who comes but Dick Vitale just joins us and sits down with us. Hey guys, it's Dick Vitale. It's like let's talk basketball. I'm like, oh my gosh. I am sitting in a lobby talking basketball with Dick Vitale. Um, this is amazing. I'm blown away. So, and that's how I guess a lot of these color men on on the sporting events get their inside of the stories of the players. So, you know, we're sharing we're sharing stories about the inside, and I'm just still in shock that I'm sitting in a lobby. You know, this big sports fan growing up talking hoops with Vitale. So. Anyways, um, we have the opportunity, Ryan and I, to go to practice at the Indianapolis RCA Dome where the Colts play, you know. And um, we were scheduled to play Kentucky, and the game before us was Indiana and UConn. Mm-hmm. You can only imagine in Indianapolis, you're going to have a big Indiana crowd yep. and a big Kentucky crowd. Yes, because Kentucky UConn right was coming from far away, mm-hmm. and Clemson didn't have – we had a football game the next day. So. Yep. Anyways, we um, we go to practice and um, got to meet Vi- Vitel was at practice. Him and Billy Packer, mm-hmm. you know, was pretty cool. I got to got to chat with them, and um, that kind of blew me away. And the other side of the stadium was the Indianapolis Colts. Still had the goalposts up there, so me and me and Ryan were playing around out there, having a good old time. So that game comes around, and we did not have a crowd there at all for Clemson. So. Prior to the game, John Saketa would always say, get whatever props you want, just bring back a receipt, you know, be smart, don't right. don't overdo it. So at the time, Dale Davis played for the Indiana Pacers, so of course I had to buy me a Dale Davis jersey, which I had, <laughs> to put over top of the Tiger, because that was our uh, NBA guy, and I ended up buying an Indiana flag and an Indiana blanket that I used as a cape. So Indiana, who's got... Pretty much three quarters of the stadium there. Bobby Knight was the coach back then. We're going, we're going way back. Just puts a hurting on, on a Yukon. Well, they introduced the tiger. They introduced here's your Clemson Tigers, and here comes a tiger running out with an Indiana flag and an Indiana cape. I had that crowd behind us. There was actually an article in the paper that I saved on it. So I remember the Kentucky mascots like that's not fair. You're Kentucky man. It's all good. So yeah, we uh, we had a few tricks up our sleeve, and um, yeah, yeah, they loved us, man. So, uh, that is so, so awesome. So as good as as good as you know as good as our players were back then, I will take credit for that win. All right, Tom Weidman played good that game. Weidman's but, but, awesome. But I'll, but I'll take credit. I'll take credit for. Oh, uh, that is so for, great uh, for that one. So. That is probably the oh, greatest man. story. That was awesome. So awesome. how? What's it? What was it like? And I think I ask, and I've talked to lots of my buddies. That we share, you know, what's it like moving 
out of athletics into the real world. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? It sucks, <laughs> doesn't it? It's, it's like everything, like all, it's like the glass palace goes away. Well, and I've always, you know, I've, I've held on and I've stayed in contact. I made a lot of great contacts there and I still stay involved. I'm an IPTE rep, so I'm still involved with helping IPTE, you know, raise money through uh, athletic scholarships. So if you want to sign up, look me up. You can have the Tiger <laughs> be your IPTE rep. I'd like to at least bring on two a year. Um, also, I stayed real involved with, um, with the mascots, um, you know, still helping the kids out, judging, um, and just, you know, they brought me back to help them on some things here and there. And, um, you know, trying to stay as involved as I can. Now, stepping away from it, it's funny. We just had a, um, the Tiger Cub had the 25th reunion this, this last game. And a lot of us mascots got block seats together. And I was sitting with the girl, um, Carson Brewer, who was playing the Cub. And it was her first year not in the Cubs suit. And I remember the first year where I was away from it. And I had to sit, I had to buy a ticket. I had to sit in the stands. This was, this was crazy. You know, I didn't have the sideline pass. I wasn't a part of the, the, the ins and outs. And you know, that's, it hurts. that's tough, man. It's tough. It's really you... tough. And I, and I looked at Carson and this was just last week and I, or two weeks ago. And, and, and I said to her, I was like, it's tough, isn't it? She's like, yeah. I said, so you're looking at the cub now watching the cub, right? She's like, yeah. I said, and you're probably thinking to yourself, God, the Cubs stinks. I was so much better. It's like, yeah. I said, I said, that's how I felt for 20 years. Come on. Um, so you got to have that fun little ego with it. Um, but no, it's, it's um, you know, it's, you step away from it, but the connections that you have still bring you back. Um, the people that still work at the athletic department, the former players, when you get back there and you just, they still, I mean, we went this year to, um, to uh, see Brian Dawkins go into the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, Patrick Sapp's his best friend. And Patrick, Patrick and I are friends. You know, we've, we've, gone, we've gone back. He was there the same time I was. Patrick's a great guy. He, he, he is Mr. Clemson, you know. He, um, he, he, he really is playing basketball and football for us at the time and very dedicated to the school and the one Clemson. Um, I'm, I'm a big I'm – a, I'm a donor for, for that group as well. Um, so I just mentioned to Pat. It's his buddy. I said, hey, I'm coming out there for the Hall of Fame and hopefully we can catch up and – Few of Brian's old teammates were out there as well. Leamon Evans, who was just a great guy. Michael Allen, um, Stefan Wynn. Yep. I mean, just just some guys that we all kind of knew each other from Clemson. I didn't know Dawkins that well. He was mm -hmm. married at the time, and you know he had he he had his his life there. But you know we wanted to go celebrate that, and. Um, so I took, I have a couple of buddies in Ohio. John Saket, of course, came out. John's very, very big into doing doing the events. We do a lot of these events together. And um, one of my old high school buddies in Ohio, and we went out there, and um, I just told Pat I was going to be out there, so I would love to catch up. And um, the night before he gets in the hall, we, we, we traveled from 4 in the morning, <laughs> got up, did a, did a flight in, you know, and mm -hmm. got there. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm absolutely exhausted. We toured the Hall of Fame. We're about an hour from Canton, about to go to sleep, and I get a message from Stefan Wynn. Hey, Pat wants you to meet us at the uh, TGI Fridays to go to Dawkins' party. What? What? 
what I said, wait, tonight? Yeah, I was like, shoot, I'm exhausted, about to go to bed. I didn't bring a change of clothes. So, hey, give Pat, have Pat call me. So Pat calls me up and he's like, come on, Mike, let's go. And I'm like, wow, you know, um, told my buddies, I was like, I said, I got a couple buddies with me, if that's okay. Yeah, ab absolutely. I'll put your name. How long will it take you to get? I'm not going to get here for an hour, Pat. I'm, I'm far away. Well, I'll tell you where it is. I'll put your name on the list. Oh, gosh. This, I don't think this is going to happen. This is tough. This is a guy going into the NFL Hall of Fame, and I'm invited to his pregame party, or I'm getting invited by Pat putting a name on a list. So we tried to put on the best clothes we had that we traveled with, which was like T-shirts and shorts. Um, and... We drove out there, and Pat sent us a message where to be, and we arrived. And next thing I know, you know, my buddies are like, we are in the pre-Hall of Fame party for Brian Dawkins, who's getting inducted. And there's, look in the back, there's Andre Reed in a gold jacket here. I'm like, I am in this darn party because Pat took care of me because Pat felt like I was still a part of the group. I was a part of the family. I was a part of the team. My friend who's not a Clemson grad is my high school buddy, a big sports fan. <laughs> he is just, his jaws dropped. He's calling his cousin, who's a big Dawkins fan, FaceTiming. We're like, you're not going to believe where, where we're at. And here comes Leamont Evans. You know, Brian wants a picture with his teammates. Leamont pulls me into the darn picture. Dawkins like, just players. I'm like, yeah, I know, Leamont. Why are you pulling me in here? But that's, that's the way the guys are. Right. You know, that's the way the family is. The national championship, when we went to the ESPN party, um, Dexter McLean has been a dear friend of us for years. He is years. so awesome. Dexter is one of the one of one of the greatest guys, and and um, we um, we arrived at the party, and they had all the athletes from Clemson come around the trophy and get a picture. And Dexter stopped him. He goes, "Mike, get in here. You're one of us." And that's just the way that they've always. Right. That's the way that they've treated me. And I just look at it. I joke with them, guys. That's just the mascot. Come on, <laughs> no, Mike. You're you're one of us. You're one of us. And that's the way that those guys have always been to me so yeah so that's kind of that connection so even though you're away from being on the field and being away from the sports you are always still a part of it you are always one of them one of us I mean there are guys that played years before me guys that played years after me and we've all connected you know because we have that special bond and we've all been a part of it and it's 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 hard to explain to someone that hasn't been in the as it called the inner circle, you know, the, the the circle of trust. That was a good movie, wasn't it? Meet the parents. Um, but um, but we all look out for each other. We all we all take care of each other. You know, it's 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 hard to explain. And um, and it's from doing it, it's the the excitement of being a part of it, being on the field, being a part of athletics. But it's the years after that you see those bonds really, really, you know, really grow. It's amazing. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and exploration. Most importantly, the many intersections inside the world of storytelling. Intersection is powered by the Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts exploring digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO and technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the e-patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.